0: Any opinions expressed are my own and do not reflect the opinions of anyone outside of Independent
1: Left Media, LLC independent left dot news independent left news Indie left news it's independent left news oh yeah and i get news from independent left thank you independent
0: left on news they actually put up posts of different shows different things going on
1: check out indie left they're doing a lot of good things they're on twitter and instagram and they've helped promote our show a lot
0: thanks for the work you do behind the scenes too this man does our discord and some other help, so i just love to shout them out thanks so much man yeah they kind of Really do a great job of pushing.
1: Thank you, Independent Left, for reminding me of that. Check out
0: IndependentLeft.News News.
1: Indie Left.
0: Indie Left. Shout out. Hey, it is Sunday night. It is ten o'clock, and we got some people here already. And I'm so happy to see that. It is. How do we miss that? This is. This is Indie, and I got this guy sitting over here. <laughs> okay.
1: Hi. Say hi. Hi there. Hi. That's how me. you
0: doing? That's Reef. Okay. For the for the podcast audience. That's that's my buddy Reef. Uh we got yeah, Reef. That's right. That's right, Colin. I decided to mess with him. We What's are up, we Colin? are we are doing the uh we're we're doing the the summer theme and we're going it's hot and we're cooling off with some blue and uh Krill fingers, Tommy Stock, Colin, Mad Mast. Oh, we got Carl here too. What's up, everybody? Go start. Wow, look at this. We got we got we got famine in the, in the house. What's going on? All right, so uh, let, we're we're eliminating a lot of this nonsense in the beginning. So I'm just gonna get right to it. How do we miss that? Is a show airing on Rockfin, YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Twitter, Odyssey, and Telegram? Yeah, we're everywhere. Sunday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. That's now reviewing a few big stories that we haven't seen covered much in our independent media channels this week. Co-hosted by Indy, that's me, founder editor of IndependentLeft.News, and founder of Indie News Network, and Reef Breeland, this guy, creator of Door Discord, host of Reefer After Dark. All the stories that, that you see here were featured in our, in IndependentLeft.News, it used to be in the Substack, but now we just put videos in the Substack, we don't do that anymore. Um, and... Please make sure to share this out, uh, like the stream, subscribe on, on our channel, all the platforms where you watch and listen. Please, we're everywhere, as I said. We're streaming on seven different platforms live, and uh, I'm excited to get to some stories
1: here. Um, how was your week, man? Mm-hmm. It's been all right. It's been all right. All right. It could be better, but it's been all right. Well, hopefully we'll, we'll we got some stories that'll
0: educate and... I don't know if it's gonna cheer us no. up necessarily, but we're gonna we're gonna
1: we're gonna probably we not that
0: ah what happened? Wait, stop. Wait, how did that happen? Stop, 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 you stop, pitched, why is it doing uh, that? Stop, stop, transition. How do I stop this? Stop.
1: Thank you. Uh go back to the thing and I got follow it. us. Jesus. I got it.
0: <sighs> okay. I try folks. the other button. Okay. You mean that one? No, that's not the right one either. Mm -hmm. No, that's the right one. Now we're there. Oh, oh boy. Yeah, we'll get this right one of these. (laughs) (laughs) If we don't laugh, we're going to cry, folks. Okay. So uh, here's what we got going on. Let's go to our slideshow. Okie dokie. Yes, my computers are messing with you. No, it's an operator error, Colin. Sadly enough, it is an operator error Um. I'm yep. just not not. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we said that we're getting into the BRICS summit. Let's get into the BRICS summit. So we got our key takeaways, and this came from our friends over at the Orinoco Tribune, over I believe in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're gonna take that. Right. So this is one of the you know the satellite nations. Uh, they are obviously encouraging and supportive of this effort. <clears throat> uh, so we can we can take our. You know, uh, we we can take the bias from there. But last week, the 14th BRICS Summit took place virtually, chaired by Xi Jinping. Okay. The BRICS block, which is, again, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, which represents a key political, economic, and scientific force in the international arena. They represent half the world's population, and their collective GDP is greater than $20 trillion. Okay. Whoa. What happened? It went back. It went backwards. Ah. Okay. In today's context, the significance of the BRICS summit is increased to the extent that the bloc represents an alternative to the unipolar world of the decaying West. What follows are some of the key points from the summit in Beijing. Okay, so, okay, I see that this is still technically running. Let me stop that. All right. So, they want a multilateral compromise in the defense of international law which includes being more inclusive with less developed countries. That sounds great, right? They want to promote Mm -hmm. peace and international security without compromising the environment. Love that. Okay. They want support for an open multilateral, transparent, inclusive, rules-based non-discriminatory commercial system. Okay. They want cooperation to COVID to combat COVID-19. With support for multilateral organizations, but also searching for medicinal alternatives. I like that. Mm. Okay, support dialogue between Russia and Ukraine from an impartial perspective. Now, <clears throat> this one I got—I got, I, I kind of chuckled out a little bit because who's who's in the BRICS alliance? Russia's in the BRICS alliance, so how can they possibly be impartial if one of the member states is involved in the conflict? I I don't know how they do that, but. They also strongly support a peaceful safe and stable afghanistan while they emphasize their respect for its sovereignty in independence territorial integrity national unity and non-interference in in in, in its internal affairs right, right. <clears throat> they also recognize the necessity to resolve the nuclear problem in iran through peaceful and diplomatic means in accordance with international law now how they intend to do that With NATO, I seriously question. It should be interesting. Um, Support for bilateral and multilateral negotiations in order to solve problems related to the Korean Peninsula. So, look, this is brick stuff. There's no reason for NATO countries to get involved. Um, And then they want to compromise for a world free of nuclear arms, which I think we all would be in, uh, in support of.
1: Yeah, completely like not just you know like fucking western eastern right like all all the nukes would could go
0: right so they also Um, want go ahead yeah get rid of it no nukes cooperation against terrorism the reaffirmation of the exclusive authority of the u.n security council which i also found really interesting now Again, you've got mm. most of them, which are member states of the permanent, permanent member states of the U.N. Security Council. But I just found that also interesting that they're also legitimizing and further reinforcing the, the authority of that body. Uh, international cooperation against corruption. 100 percent. You know, we're 100 percent in support of that, as long as the leaders themselves yeah. that are voting on that are also subject to that. Uh, they also want to compromise to continue bettering the coordination of macroeconomic policy. To further practical economic cooperation and to work to achieve post COVID 19 economic recovery in a sustainable, balanced, and inclusive manner. This sounds almost yeah. almost like World Economic Forum language in a little bit of a way. And I'm sure somebody is going to drop that mm-hmm. in the chat and be like, mm, this sounds a little like Klaus Schwabi, Xi Jinping, golden, <laughs>
1: golden Sun in the chat. The World Development Bank has funded 80 projects. Bingo. Okay. Apparently. <laughs>
0: Now, finally, this is the last part of of what they are negotiating and what they're agreeing to and what they have virtually met to discuss. We commit to strengthening into BRICS cooperations to, to intensify the BRICS partnership on new industrial revolution, part NIR, and collectively create new opportunities for development. So that is pretty vague. Then they also say that they encourage the BRICS interbank cooperation mechanism to continue playing an important role in supporting BRICS economic and trade cooperation. They're essentially getting off the petrodollar, is what it sounds like to me. Uh, interbank right. cooperation mechanism. So, is the ruble the base? Maybe all five of them are the base, and they become like
1: yeah,
0: you know, um, and and they normalize like a five them.
1: eyes sort of
0: sort of what? yeah. Uh, opposition to green commercial barriers and, uh, support for coordination on this issue. Uh, so again, they want to, uh, eliminate barriers for green commercial type of pull up projects. Again, little world economic forum, um, and then cooperation in agriculture, incredibly vague. What does that mean? Um, So i had some questions with regard to this article uh and and regard to some of the findings again you're talking about world leaders from some of these major uh, countries that are getting together um yeah there's going to be a lot of questions that that are to be asked so um yeah i just I, i just thought it was really important to cover that um and to go over some of the things that they talked about again U.N. Security Council, really important. Cooperation against cor- corruption, super important.
1: Okay. Nuclear- Did you see what BRICS stand for? Um, I like the top of the article, probably. Yeah, okay. So Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Got it. Okay. And, yeah.
0: Half okay. the world's population and more than $20 trillion worth of GDP. Hmm and will also likely yeah. involve much of africa going forward.
1: Right. Especially with like how china has been interacting with them recently. Mm.
0: Right?
1: Yeah, okay. Cool. Um sounds scary for us.
0: Yeah, that's that's not so um. great for the west. Um but this is a counter to nato. Uh this is you know this is what happens when you have a nato type organization that exists for so many years and they're effectively you know now talking about like uh, you know adding argentina and pakistan and some of the other asian nations and basically uh, eliminating the anglo you know the anglo nations the european and and west and and of course right. you know their satellites that go with that so Oh, it's Nays Garden. Hang on, on, man. What's going on? How you doing, man? Good to see you in the chat. Uh, Okay, so we have got, let's see, three more. Uh, I've got a couple of, uh, two short stories and one not-so-short story. Um, Let's see who's in the chat. We got Warren here, Lula. Oh, everybody's here. This is so cool. Hi, everybody. Golden Mm -hmm. Sun, Mr. Golden Sun. Please shine down Mm -hmm. on me. And then we've got Aussie Oracle and Fred Edward over on the Rockfins. Nice. Go, get over to the, get over Rockfin. to the Rockfin. Get to the Rockfin. Rockfin.com slash IND Left News. It's only on Indie Left News. Fanto's there also. What's going on? We got Oz here. Nice. This is so cool. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. So let's get to the next story. Um, okay. You oh, taking rips. We got some rips going on. Nice, Mm -hmm. nice. All right, so let's get to the diddly-doot. Actually, we already had a diddly-doot there, and we can move to... Ah. All right. Oh, I have to actually go to the other one, to the scroll on this one, because there are, as it turns out... Let me go back to the two-shot. As it turns out, there are green...
1: there are, no, no. There,
0: there, there's green links and we use a green screen oh. in order to do that. So instead, what I'm going to do is bring this up, turn the slideshow off and let's go back. OK, here we go. So this is a ProPublica article that came out this week about 10 ways that billionaires avoid taxes on an epic scale. Right. And this is, yeah. again, not really too surprising. Oh, Crab's here, too. Right. So shout out to Crab for the thumbnail. So, 10 ways billionaires oh, avoid shit. taxes on an epic scale. If you're reporting on the mm-hmm. t- tax machinations of the ultra-wealthy, ProPublica spotlights the, ta- the top tax avoidance techniques—that's a uh, tongue twister right there—that provide massive yep. benefits to billionaires. Also a tongue twister. Massive benefits to billionaires. Alliter- alliteration. It, it sure is. Now, again— um. This is a great little image. You got you got the eye and you got all the, uh, that's Steve Ballmer and a couple of billionaires that you, oh, you don't know. Of course, there's Bezos and Buffett Bezos. back there like and cool Bloomberg. Keel. I think that's Bloomberg uh, with a thing. All right. So anyway, this guy, Paul Keel, he he wrote a really good article here. Um, this is part of a series called The Secret IRS Files. They've been doing this research for a while and all the research is public. They're a badass organization. You know, I have some questions on their election coverage, but they do some really, really good work. So last June, drawing on the largest treasure trove of confidential American tax data that's ever been obtained, ProPublica launched a series of stories documenting the key ways of the ultra wealthy uh, of how the ultra wealthy avoid taxes. Strategies that are largely unavailable to most taxpayers. Marked the first anniversary of the launch, we decided to assemble a quick summary of the techniques all of which can generate tax savings on a massive scale, re- revealed in the series. Now, again, our MMT folks and friends will scream, taxes don't fund spending, and they may or may not. But what they do get is the ultra-wealthy to pay their fair share, and it normalizes, the, it, it counters the ledger and stops them from wealth hoarding. So the first one would be the ultra wealth effect and uh, what they're calling. okay. so their first story unraveled how billionaires like Elon Musk, Warren Buffett and Jeff Bezos were able to amass some of the largest fortunes in history while paying remarkably little tax relative to their immense wealth. And they did it in part by avoiding Hmm. selling off their vast holdings of stock. You know, so the U.S. system taxes income, selling stock generates income, so they avoid avoid income as the system defines it. Meanwhile, they tap into their wealth by borrowing against it, and borrowing is not taxable. Buffett said he followed the law, and right. he preferred that his wealth go to charity. The others didn't comment beyond a... Uh, from Elon Musk. Um, which is yep. also pretty interesting and not too so, surprising.
1: So they're using... I, I wish they knew exactly how they're doing that, but uh, essentially they're using like... well, So they're selling stocks... They're not right, selling them. Which no. generate income.
0: They're not selling them. They're holding right. them.
1: Yes. Yes. But then they're like borrowing with that as collateral.
0: They're borrowing against that as collateral.
1: Okay, so they're pawning their stocks, essentially. Well, they're um yes
0: and no. I mean, it doesn't belong it doesn't go to anybody else. They're just putting it up as collateral, but right. Uh it's it doesn't leave their account I and mean, had ever. to be
1: borrowing it. I mean, what are they borrowing it? Like, who's giving them the money in that case?
0: Uh, it would either be a bank, the or actual the spendable money. It would li- it would likely be right. a bank, okay, in some way, shape, or form. Gotcha. That would be using the stock as <laughs> as a hedge or as what they would say collateral, right. okay, to yes. to say that if this goes
1: and then they're trading all that for yeah, okay, but they're never trading it. Got it.
0: Because he's end up he he pays right. off the loan.
1: Well, the banks. The banks he, might, but like he might not.
0: But he earns the money to pay off the loan. You know? And that's all they care about. Right. Is that he has assets yeah. that can be used and seized if they if he can't make the loan. But as long as he makes the payments, they don't really care. So that's that's one way. And they don't and he doesn't pay any tax. Actually, it's a deduction to pay off loan and especially interest on certain loans. So then there is the $5 billion IRA. And this is a name that we've seen quite a bit come up lately. All right. Other billionaires use less conventional ways to avoid income, we found. Tech mogul Peter Thiel, uh, founder of Rumble Mm. and also co-founder, you know, one of the founders of Facebook or one of the people who took it public and mass market. He amassed a $5 billion Roth IRA, a type of account that shields income from taxes and is intended to help low and middle class savers prepare for retirement. Back in 1999, Teal stuffed low-valued shares of a company that would become PayPal into the account. A maneuver tax lawyer said risked running afoul of IRS rules. And it's not clear if the government ever challenged the move. He did set himself up to reap billions in untaxed gains, though he did not respond to questions for the original article. He also likely is not age 65 or 66 at this point where he can even touch the money yet without penalty nor would he even want to, right. why would he? He's got plenty of money, he, he could just let that money continue to appreciate. And all of the, to yeah. so the way that a Roth IRA works, because I happen to have one, and I was advised very early on when I was young enough, I had a little bit of money to do that with. Um, reason why is because what you do is you pay into it and you pay the tax on the money that, that you put in, and any gains that you make from investing on that money are tax-free as long as you leave the money in there until you're age 65 it's a and that's available to anybody um, and you can contribute okay. up to a up to a certain amount per year to it to continue to help it grow in addition to the appreciation on the account so got it so this guy basically every year threw in $2000 worth of paypal Preferred potential stock down the road, watched it appreciate, and all the appreciated gains are tax-free, as long as he lets it sit there until he's sixty-five or the company sells and cashes him out.
1: Okay, okay,
0: that's what's he, going he, he's on. He's getting
1: here. His, essentially an insurance annuity back from his stock, kind of.
0: Well, no, he's getting like... all the growth tax-free, all the growth for the okay. entire lifetime that he owns the stock, as long as he holds it for like forty years or whatever. Whenever he sells it, right. all the growth from everything that he put in is all tax-free. That's billions of dollars. Like he said, $5 billion at this point it's worth. And it's going to be worth more by the time he's done.
1: And there's no there's no cap, cap on a Roth IRA pretty nope. much? Nope. They didn't put okay. in that rule. And they
0: can at any point. And he'll sue. And he'll probably get away with it. And they'll grandfather the people in. And they'll put a cap in moving forward potentially. Yeah. But he'll get away with it. Yeah. Cuz he cuz he has enough money and he'll buy enough people. So Yeah. Uh the billion dollar parlor trick. He might hmm? Go
1: He might get a financial slap on the wrist but only slightly. Right? You know. Potentially. Yeah. Um
0: so then we've got the billion dollar parlor trick parlor trick which is turning high tax rate trading into low tax rate income. Like what? So right. again Even when billionaires, tech billionaires do show income on their tax return, they tend to pay relatively low income taxes because the type of income they have gains from long-term investments, such as from stock sales, are taxed at a much lower rate. But what do you do if you're making over a billion dollars every year and it's largely from short-term trading? Do you just accept that you'll pay the higher rate on all that income? Well, as they reported earlier this week, this guy, Jeff Yass, all right. Gas yes, queen. All right. That's probably where it came from. <clears throat> He's the head of one of the most profitable firms on Wall Street. He did not meekly accept his fate. Instead, his firm, Susquehanna International, found creative ways to trans-
1: weed. Right. Right. Sorry, go ahead.
0: <laughs> found creative ways to transform the wrong sort of income into the right kind, generating tax savings that exceeded a billion dollars over just six years. And they of course they declined to comment but in a court case that centered on similar allegations it maintained that it complies with the law of course it does it's a legitimate up and up organization that's and then so if you read this so this article right here is all about susquehanna meet the billionaire and rising jew G- so this this thing you can go down rabbit hole after rabbit hole after rabbit hole and learn about all these scumbags and all these billionaires Hmm. and how they operate. And then, of course, you've got the magic of sports ownership, where you will make money while legally reporting losses.
1: Right? Right.
0: (laughs) So the tax code offers business owners a slew of methods to erase income through deductions. None more awesome than buying a sports team as Steve Ballmer learned from buying the Clippers the Clippers. He paid $2 billion. It doesn't matter whether the team's actually profitable and growing in value. It can still be a write-off. In some cases, they found owners could effectively deduct a given player's contract not once, but twice. They're allowed to take deductions comparable to those for factory equipment that loses value as it ages, even as teams almost inevitably gain in value. That's one reason owners tend to pay far lower tax rates than the athletes they employ or even the people serving beer in the team stadium. In their story, they found yeah. a Clippers Arena worker who made $45,000 a year that paid a higher tax rate than billionaire Steve Ballmer. He says, I pay the taxes, owe." Oh, I'm telling you, we need a, uh... yeah. <laughs> Don't look great. Actually, you know, David does look look for the money, too, just in different places. <clears throat> he just won't look to the Belmarsh. Um, build, drill, and save the real estate and oil businesses can be, can both be tax havens. So that's yet another way that the billionaires are hiding their money and avoiding massive billions of dollars in taxes. So in certain industries, the tax breaks are so plentiful that billionaires can erase their income entirely, even as they grow richer. So you've seen here, of Stephen course. Ross, who also owns the it's Miami all Dolphins. Money yes yeah like he, he went 10 years without paying any income tax <clears throat> and he says i followed the law another mogul this one in the oil business managed to tap in your bottomless well of write-offs via one of the biggest oil spills in history uh I, is this the one in louisiana that we were talking about i'm guessing that it was
1: yeah i think so let me guess mm-hmm. yeah yeah how did we know we covered that long time ago We're we...
0: How do we miss that? Um, look for look for that in, from the December edition because we definitely <clears> covered that one too. All right, so
1: yeah, we covered that on. How do we miss that? So yeah, but as it turns out, like yeah, she bought that. a company
0: and the, that company had done the spill, and she had basically taken out or her husband bought it, then he died, they had taken on the liabilities. It was a whole mess, and nobody wanted to deal with it. Uh, but even a billionaire's hobbies can pay off at tax time, and this is where we're going to talk about. Like, we should start a race team. Right? Deductions from hobbies and side projects, which the ultra-wealthy can structure as businesses, are another fun option. For some billionaires, it's racehorses. So they found that six owners of Thoroughbreds at the Kentucky Derby in 2021 had a combined $600 million in tax write-offs on their horse racing operations alone. For others, like Beanie Baby's founder, Ty Warner, it's luxury hotels. So the billionaire splurged on a couple landmark Four Seasons locations. Then went 12 years without paying any income tax. Representatives for Warner did not respond for, to to request for comment, but I can guarantee you that they would say, he followed the law.
1: He followed the law. He
0: followed uh, the law. Are we seeing a theme here?
1: And then, and then of course, we're just going to do, like, this This whole paragraph's just going to be about, like, lobbying, right? Where we just lobby for smaller taxes.
0: Well... Pretty much
1: because it costs you less to do that. And you probably can write it off on your taxes as like, you know, uh, like donation or charity or whatever, you know,
0: um, by funding a
1: pack. Beanie babies.
0: Yes. He's the founder of beanie babies. His, his name's on the ass of every beanie baby that that's ever existed. So yeah, he's probably worth a couple of bucks. Um, Yeah, change the tax laws. Not
1: not your Beanie Baby, though. Your Beanie Baby's, like, probably around, like, 25 cents. You know? No, but Ty's ass is on the name of it either way. Beanie Baby exchange. Yes, but the Beanie Baby exchange has, like, definitely cut down on its, like, ratio, you know? Right. Um, So...
0: Sometimes it pays to fight for a new tax break for the billionaires who contributed millions to Republican politicians. The payoff came in the form of Trump's big, beautiful tax cut for pass-through businesses. We found the change. Is set... that what he called it? Oh yeah, the big, beautiful. I ta- that's what he it was it. a big, beautiful tax cut. You bet he did. It's they huge. Wouldn't, they wouldn't quote him if very they didn't say it. It's very big. It's huge. Oh god. It's very I good. I really hope. I really hope. We'll call are. it.
1: We'll call it the big. Beautiful tax
0: cut. I'm really not ready for no. four more years of this clown, or five plus, you know, including oh, the
1: campaign, God. and then dude is already gonna of... ramp up. And the fucking the media have been like, big beautiful just bee, like,
0: babies, yeah,
1: Mad mad this got. They it. had to put new panties on, you know, oh, like goodness. they were just, oh, dude, come on, like, so, uh yeah, I mean, so they've, they've been like itching for it. They love fucking Trump. They so love the,
0: him to death. So the big beautiful pet tax cut, okay, sent a billion dollars in tax savings in one year to just 82 ultra-wealthy households, just who needed it. Some business owners also boosted their savings with a trick. They slashed their own salaries and categorized the money instead as pass-through income. And then they said, oh, I I, I didn't take a salary during the entire pandemic. What do you mean? I'm, Mm. I'm benevolent. I'm Dan Price. Yeah, I said it. All right. Why tech <laughs> billionaires pay less than hedge fund managers with so many man with so many options to reduce taxes. The richest Americans often manage low income tax rates. We analyzed the t- the income and taxes of the country's top 400 earners, those averaging over $110 million in income per year. Oh, right. overall, Jesus. Overall, the group paid relatively low rates, shocking, shocking, but certain segments, tech billionaire bros, heirs, private equity execs, stood out even within this elite population because they were able to draw on the sorts of techniques detailed above. Also drawing on these techniques (laughs) were wealthy politicians like the governors of Colorado and West Virginia. That's Jim Justice and I believe, is that Hickenlooper? Hickendoucher? I think so.
1: Yeah, I like that. Hick and poopers. All right. And then, of course, brother, um, can you
0: spare a stimulus check? I love that one. All right. Uh, yeah. yeah. But the real standouts were the billionaires who reported such low incomes that they qualify for government assistance. At least, of
1: course, they do. At
0: least eight. 18 billionaires received stimulus checks in 2020 because their tax returns placed them below the income cutoff of $150,000 for a so married couple. Up. They're fucking That's billionaires. So up. Oh my God. That's ridiculous. Bro, give me that. You list. that Here you go. Here you $200 go. $200. Want that list? Yeah. They got $3,600 each. Jesus.
1: Here we go. Just right. to put a little fucking cherry on top of their giant dragon-like protected mountain full of gold, um, you know. Here's a name we're like, we're what? pretty
0: familiar with. George oh. Soros, Ira rennert worth three point seven billion dollars. His 62,000 square foot Hampton's home is one of the largest in the country, so he was unlikely to get cabin fever during the, the lockdown, let alone have trouble buying food. This is like, this reads like Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. I need Robin Leach to read all of this. Yes. right, Robin or, Leach. Or or at least Robin Williams. Robin Leach. Okay. Oh, these
1: people.
0: What? 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 Oh, hi, Nancy. Oh um, goodness. She belongs in there too. So trust this, how wealthy families yeah. pass billions to heirs while avoiding taxes. Of course, through trusts. The holes in the estate tax we found are even more remarkable. There are well-worn ways to make sure Uncle Sam doesn't get a f- cut of a fortune being passed on to heirs. And this fortune, and uh, the most common is through a trust. How common no one can say, but we found evidence that at least half of the nation's 100 richest individuals had used estate dodging, estate tax dodging trusts. In another story, we followed three centrally old dynasties down through the generations, showing how they've used trusts to avoid taxes. Okay, so that a fortune <clears throat> could pass all the way from the original early 20th century tycoon to, for example, the great-great-granddaughter... Uh, who recently collected $210 million before her 19th birthday. Let me guess. A Rockefeller, a Morgan, or a Rothschild. One of those would be my guess. Yep. Okay. Um, And, okay, so what's really cool is, hey, help.
1: What? Don't, don't, Don't worry. You're just stepping on Jimmy. It's all right. So help us
0: report on taxes in the ultra wealthy. So I think that's pretty cool. So they want help. And if you know something related to this investigation, you can fill out a form or provide it securely through multiple methods, or you can volunteer your expertise. And this is the gentleman who wrote this and you can see his signal number and his cell phone number, which is right there, very brave and very bold. And uh, mad respect Uh for assembling this list. Because this list is not going to make you any friends <clears throat> in the billionaire community. And they've got mm-hmm. some resources to, to to do things if they if you make them angry. Um, so that's that that's a little frightening for, for his safety. And I hope I, I hope nothing happens to our friend Paul um and all of our friends over ProPublica for publishing something like this. Or maybe they're allowed to. I, I, I don't really know at this point like what the deal is with this type of reporting you know how they get access mm-hmm. to this kind of uh secret tax files uh, number 1 um number 2 then again that's bombshell and then they've been dripping this stuff out for a year damn yeah um what do you think man uh warren warren needs a, a blood pressure pill it sounds like um cuz he said <laughs> that this <laughs> That this was literally raising his blood pressure. That's
1: pretty damn funny. Gotta lay off that boudin, boy. Gotta lay at that boudin.
0: All right, Crab saying we need billionaires you because know? they create jobs. Oh, wow. We got yeah. a lot of people in I mean, the chat talking about this, for sure. I mean... RLA, RLA. You know what it's all about. Hey, Karen.
1: It's all about geometry.
0: It's all about it geometry. Thank you, Shaq. Um... Aaron, yep. welcome and thank you for following me over on the Twitter today. We are trying to get Indy to 4,000. I think that we were three shy the last that I saw. We are at 39.97 followers on Twitter. Uh, we're at 9.50 on the Rockfin right now. So we are just 50 shy of 1,000 on the Rockfin. Thank you so much, everyone, for that. Um, looking Here, forward I'll, to. I'll,
1: I'll translate. In in Indication for for Warren Boudreaux, say go bring them gators to them billionaires. Okay, that's what we're gonna do. I like that idea. That's a good idea. idea.
0: That's a good idea. Go
1: get them gators. Okay, throw mud bugs all over them. All
0: right, here's how we're gonna eat our vegetables, and this is gonna kind of suck, but at the same time, it's a really important story that I think we have to cover. So, uh was it means tested? Who has a gun crazy. to your head? I read this story and I'm like, damn, man, nobody else is talking about this anywhere. But Kevin Gostola dropped a banger. All right. Okay. And it's that the U.S. Oh. Supreme
1: Court
0: may take an aim at the whistleblower protection laws. And Could the
1: Supreme Court do any
0: worse this week?
1: Any well, worse.
0: They're taking a wrecking ball to the rest of it. Yeah. Bull, drogue day. Gonna bring damn billion. Damn caters to damn million. Bears. Yep. That's yeah. right. Okay. Yep. So that's our friend, Kevin Gastola. Give him a shout. Give him a subscribe. Give him a follow. Subscribe. Uh, support the dissenter, which is an offshoot of Shadowproof. It's his own personal newsletter that I, I also subscribe to. This is a paid article that I really thought was super important. Since I am a paid subscriber and I am a supporter, I don't feel so bad showing this to everybody. I did, I did pay my money for this. All right. And I do support Kevin, and I share a lot of his work, and I do encourage everybody to go follow at KGostola on, on Twitter. And uh, he does Unauthorized mm. Disclosure on Rockfin with Rania Kalik. Uh, big fan of Rania, too. And, uh, and again, follow Shadowproof. He does that with brian sonnenstein i'm a i'm a follower and a fan of, and a supporter of Shadowproof as well they do excellent investigative journalism they also report on prison stuff uh prison uh treatments and um and prison culture and they do a really good job of that as well as on whistleblowers so kevin <clears throat> has been following this story and what he's saying is that the false claims act in the united states allows individuals with evidence of fraud against the government agencies to bring lawsuits as whistleblowers. I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but I'm going to keep saying it that way, and I'll probably butcher it. They can bring a case even if the Justice Department has no interest in fighting the alleged corruption. But on June 21st, Courthouse News reported that the U.S. Supreme Court will determine whether the government has the authority to dismiss a whistleblower lawsuit brought under the False Names Act when the government has declined to intervene in the case. In other words, the Supreme Court can now help corporations shut down independent whistleblower lawsuits that the Justice Department does not want to push- pursue. What? Yeah. Okay. Mike. And guess who? Healthcare and pharmaceutical corporations, along with their lobbying networks, have ramped up pressure in recent years to stifle the effectiveness of the False Claims Act in holding their industry accountable and prevent the law's expansion. Shocking. Under President Trump, the National Whistleblower Center reported in 2018 that U.S. government recoveries under the law hit a 10-year low. Why? Nearly $2.9 billion was recovered, but only $767 million of that was a result of lawsuits by the government. Whistleblower lawsuits, however, yielded over $2.1 billion. Why? Because a network of dark money has transformed the Supreme Court into an illegitimate and partisan institution. It's a guy by the name of leonard leo in the federalist society the same court that overturned hmm. roe v wade ending nearly 50 years of abortion rights could got one of the few laws available to private citizens to challenge corporate corruption this also took
1: away the fact that um they took away the right to that they said that natives uh yeah, land lines, is now the state's land right state lines right, is like, now
0: supersede native yeah well, i don't know so
1: yeah, something like that.
0: We are pushing complicit, um, complicit government agencies to act. President Abraham yeah. Lincoln signed the first <laughs> False Claims Act in 1863. During the U.S. Civil War, it became known as the Lincoln Law. Why? Because according to Tom Mueller, who was author of Crisis of Conscious, Whistleblowing, and an Age of Fraud, so he wrote a book about this, uh, the law was intended to stop Army and Navy contractors from stealing taxpayer dollars but also to push complacent or complicit government agencies to act. So, if the government and the Justice Department wasn't acting, it was up to these private agencies or private citizens to be to bring this lawsuit against these corrupt contractors to the government. The U.S. did not have a Justice no. Department then, he noted this Mueller. And I thought it was Robert Mueller, but it's not. It's the right, the author. But what the Lincoln Law did was empower individuals to prosecute fraud with or without the government's participation. Offending contractors could be fined $2,000 for each misrepresentation or false claims that they made when requesting payment from the government. The law was guarded by Congress in 1943 because the Justice Department claimed that it didn't need the assistance of whistleblowers when prosecutors already knew about the fraud. And as Republican Senator Chuck Grassley recalled, this led to absurd results that only hurt the taxpayer. Well, of course he did. He's a corporate suck senator, right? Yeah, so, Grassley, who's an advocate for the law, of course, said it basically meant that all whistleblower cases were blocked, even cases where the government only knew about the fraud because of the whistleblower. Well, that's right. That's no good. Right. In 1986, he helped to ensure that amendments to the False Claims Act were passed to restore power to private citizens to bring whistleblower lawsuits. That's a good thing. It ensured that whistleblowers would receive a reward in return for risking their career or legal jeopardy. However, in order to convince President Ronald Reagan to sign the amendments into law, Grassley and other senators had to overcome institutional opposition within the Justice Department. Of course they did, because they thought mm. that they were taking away power from the Justice Department. Jay Stevens and right. Stuart Schiffer, <clears throat> two senior DOJ officials, opposed restoring the False Claims Act. Stevens contended that the Justice Department was already doing a good enough job against defense contractor fraud, and a stronger law would hamper their work, according to Mueller. The law, Stevens said, quote, was an anachronism from a time when the United States had no central investigative force. Now that the DOJ and the FBI existed, most tam whistleblowers were parasitic, quote, bounty hunters who interfered with legitimate law enforcers and ultimately provided little useful evidence of wrongdoing. Where'd this guy go to work after he left the government? I just wonder. The counter Mm -hmm. to Justice Department officials was that the restoration of the False Claims Act was necessary to protect whistleblowers from retaliation. The amendments were needed to prevent a complacent and complicit Justice Department from entering into sweetheart deals with powerful contractors. No, we've never seen that happen before, right? No. So what it's being presented as is a devastating threat to the executive's constitutional authority. Um, Right. The Justice Department officials remained opposed, even though Reagan declined to veto the amendments. In 1989, they argued to the U.S. Supreme Court that the law was unconstitutional. Okay. Here's a name you know, Bill Barr. Yeah. Who later became Attorney General under Trump, was the Assistant Attorney General at the time. He contended then that the False Claims Act represented a, quote, devastating threat to the executive's constitutional authority, and to the doctrine of separation of powers, unquote. He objected to how Congress empowers citizens to help stimulate government action against fraud. Quote, there's been a massive upsurge in tam actions. Over 150 suits have been filed. Well, that's because there's been a mass upsurge in government corruption, you clown. Corruption. These actions, These actions have disrupted the civil and criminal enforcement activities of the department. Yeah, because right. you're rife with corruption. Oh, They've also undermined the executives' Aww. ability to administer complex procurement contracts and in some cases have caused serious national security concerns. Yeah. Right? The 1986 amendments have also spawned the formation of full-time bounty hunting groups ersatz departments of justice that go about prosecuting civil fraud actions in the name of the united states so basically ambulance chasing lawyers who are looking for these fraud cases and because there's so much of it they're bringing these cases all day long and the justice department can't keep up well guess what the justice department can't keep up Bill Barr was worried about groups representing whistleblowers who could collect up to 30% of any recovery because their effectiveness put the Justice Department to shame. He was ultimately unsuccessful in persuading the Supreme Court to neuter the False Claims Act at the time. However, three decades later, Barr was at it again in his position as Trump's Attorney General. The Justice Department dismissed an increased number of false claims cases for the reasons that Grassley believed had nothing to do with the merits of the cases. It seemed prosecutors were intent to discourage whistleblowers and undermine efforts to root out serious fraud. Hmm. What a surprise. Why don't you, like, uh, forget that that ever happened, now? All right. Bloomberg Law reported that the Justice Department moved to dismiss, quote, at least 14 cases involving pharmaceuticals. 11 of the cases were brought by the National Healthcare Analysis Group, which alleged violations of anti-kickback laws that prohibit improper marketing of drugs to medical professionals. They were viewed as a bounty hunting group. So we can't really pay attention to what they're doing. Mm. The National Whistleblower it, Center called attention. Right, go ahead.
1: It's just like the stuff they're willing to just say out loud is they don't care. Yeah, anyway. again,
0: who's stopping them? I know this is the Attorney General, so I know who, they're they're the authority yeah. in their mind, right? All right. So the National this Whistleblower Center, okay, called attention to the fact that the Justice Department was attempting to dismiss a case against the pharmaceutical corporation known as Gilead Sciences a whistleblower accused the corporation of manufacturing drugs with contaminated ingredients from China, China, and, the un- and unusually, the Justice Department maintained it would just be too costly to pursue the lawsuit. So it didn't. China. <clears throat> Grassley and a bipartisan group of senators tried in 2021 to correct the issue of dismissals by the Justice Department by creating a test. Prosecutors would be required to identify a valid government purpose and a rational relation between dismissal and accomplishment of that purpose. Right. So the whistleblower would then have the ability to challenge the dismissal by demonstrating that the dismissal was fraudulent, arbitrary and capricious or illegal. But Big Pharma succeeded in blocking the amendments from inclusion in the 2021 infrastructure bill that passed. It was a major loss for whistleblowers. Fuck, dude. Jesus Christ. Quote, by raising false flags about these amendments and locking progress through complex and endless court cases, unquote, the National Whistleblower Center warned an anti-whistleblower victory, which could open the floodgates for future attacks on these highly successful whistleblower protections, were secured by lobbyists. And here's where we find out why. Records, settlements, and rewards under the False Claims Act. Here's where the donors are getting involved, and they're going, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh this ain't cool. During the past five years, lawsuits against the False Claims Act that are backed by corporate interests have sought to amplify uncertainty around the Supreme Court and lower court's interpretation of provisions in the law. Each million spent on these efforts is intended to stall the progress of whistleblowers courageous enough to take a stand against corporate pow- corporate influence and power. I'm going to say that again. Each million spent on these efforts is intended to stall the progress of whistleblowers courageous enough to take a stand against corporate influence and power. GlaxoSmithKline, a major pharmaceutical corporation, was hit with a record $3 billion fine in 2012 after marketing their drugs for unauthorized uses and cheating the U.S. government's Medicaid program. The result was a whistleblower reward of 250 million dollars which four individuals split what the fuck? faced with allegations that it sold toxic mortgage-backed securities and other financial products in the run-up to the 2008 economic crash bank of america agreed to a record settlement with the u.s government of 16.65 billion in 2014 Three whistle whistleblowers and one firm shared a hundred and seventy million dollar reward in that case. Jeez. Uh that's not thirty percent. That's like no some odd percent. In this case, again three billion two hundred and fifty million. Uh that's not a third either. But they're still making nice coin. Now, people are getting angry, obviously, over right. the $170 million and the $250 million that's going to the individuals, and of course, the massive fines that's happening right. in the first place. Here's another one. Pharmaceutical giant Johnson & Johnson entered into a $2.2 billion settlement with the government in 2012 to end a lawsuit involving allegations related to fraud and kickback schemes perpetrated to sell three drugs, Risperdal, Nat- uh, Natricor, and Invega. Invega! Vega. A whistleblower received a $167 million reward. Thank goodness for that. They deserve it. They put their entire life on the line. These are just three examples of how private individuals with evidence and knowledge of fraud can pursue a modest level of accountability against corporations, whether Justice Department officials have the political appetite for such action or not. The Justice Department. Okay. Okay. Their history of opposition to the False Claims Act does not exactly inspire confidence that the corporate captured Supreme Court will leave the the law alone. If the Supreme Court yet again prioritizes corporations and upends a settled law, their ruling may greatly diminish a tool that whistleblowers have wielded for decades. Okay. So. Well. Keep your eye on those guys. Burn the fuck down. Uh, yeah, not cool. Um, Not cool at all. Um, that's totally not
1: going to cause problems in the future. That's definitely not going to screw anything up. Nope. You know?
0: Nah, it's totally not there to meant to discourage anybody from doing anything. But I, uh, I, I hate to give everybody some more nightmare fuel, but, um, our next story is not getting much better because... Ladies and gentlemen, pre-crime is here. Algorithm predicts crime a oh. week in advance. It reveals, of course, bias in police response. This is kind of a hilarious article.
1: What? Nice. What? Yeah. Here we go. I mean, this that is... fits, right? Oh, like, yeah. this is... Well... This oh. is The
0: the study is titled, Event-Level Prediction of Urban Crime <clears throat> Reveals Signature Enforcement Bias in U.S. Cities. What a surprise. And then it shows the additional mm-hmm. authors that are part of the study from University of Chicago, who
1: did a great <clears throat> job in putting this... So everybody sounds like they're from Chicago there, huh? Well, no, um, they all
0: go to school in Chicago. They're not all from Chicago,
1: brother. Yeah. But, yeah. All right. Eventually... Well,
0: Advances in machine learning and AI have sparked interest from governments that would like to use these tools for predictive policing to deter crime. Oh, my God. Early efforts at crime (coughs) prediction have been controversial, however, because they do not account for systemic biases in police enforcement and its complex relationship with crime and society.
1: Um, Understatement, but yes. That, that, that's, that's it's complex like if you put it it's complicated on Facebook.
0: Right? It's you yeah, that, know that's definitely it's, that it's complicated kind of relationship. Okay. Data yeah. and social scientists from the University of Chicago have developed a new algorithm, thank you so much guys, that forecasts crime by learning patterns in time and geographic locations from public data on violent and property crimes. The model can predict future crimes one week in advance with about accuracy, wait, what? In a separate model, the research team also studied the police response to crime by analyzing the number of arrests following the incidents and comparing those rates among neighborhoods with different socioeconomic status. Here's what we're gonna find. They saw that crime in wealthier areas resulted in more arrests while arrests in disadvantaged neighborhoods dropped. What a surprise. Crime in poor neighborhoods didn't lead to more arrests, however, suggesting bias in police response and enforcement. Again, no shit. What we're seeing is that when you stress the system, it requires more resources to arrest more people in response to crime in a wealthy area and draws police resources away from lower socioeconomic status areas, said the doc. said the Ph.D., at University of Chicago, and I'm not going to butcher his name. Let's just call him uh, Dr. Chado, okay? And senior author of the study, <laughs> okay? Dr. Chado, all right. So this tool was tested and validated using historical data from the city of Chicago around two broad categories of reported events. I'll bet our friends over at Chicago Corner would be very interested in this story. Violent crimes, of course, yeah. which are homicides, assaults, and batteries. Okay, and property crimes, burglaries, thefts, and motor vehicle thefts. The the data were used because they were most likely to be reported to police in urban areas where there is historical distrust and lack of cooperation with law enforcement. Such crimes are also less prone to enforcement bias, as is the case with drug crimes, traffic stops, and other misdemeanor (laughs) infractions. I'm I'm sorry, I couldn't even get through that sentence without laughing. Seriously, guys? Um, yeah, that's... Kitty! That's right, that's right, Warren, Kitty. Kitty. Okay. Previous efforts at crime prediction often use an epidemic or seismic approach where crime is depicted as emerging in hotspots that spread to surrounding areas. These tools miss out on the complex social environment of cities, however, and don't consider the relationship between crime and the effects of police enforcement. Yes. So the new model isolates crime by looking at time and spatial coordinates of discrete events and detecting patterns to predict future events. So it's looking, it divides the city, here's where we go, into spatial tiles. It's basically Minecrafting the city, roughly 1,000 feet across, yeah. and predicts crime within these areas instead of relying on traditional neighborhood or political boundaries, which are also subject to bias. Right.
1: So they're algorithmically got it and 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 so of course it would be the spots that are like you know uh poor
0: well actually but what it's saying is that it's identifying more crime in the wealthier areas which is taking away from the ability to police in the poorer areas and that's what it, they're claiming oh. here. so hence the need for gotcha. more cops No. Oh, God, no. Mm. Um, The model performed just as well with data from seven other U.S. cities. That's really interesting. Okay, Atlanta, Austin, Detroit, L.A., Philadelphia, Portland, and San Francisco. So they demonstrate that the importance of discovering city-specific patterns for the prediction of reported crime, which generates a fresh view on neighborhoods in the city, allows them to ask novel questions, and lets them evaluate police action in new ways. Oh, God, this is just dystopian. This is this is setting up for the robot fucking dogs right here. Dr. Chado yep. is careful to note that the tool's accuracy does not mean that it should be used to direct law enforcement. <laughs> With police departments using yeah, it to literally... swarm neighborhoods proactively to prevent crime. Like, literally, I'm giving you a model to give you 90% chance to predict crime a week in advance, but don't use it, and it's not for the police to use. Instead, it should be added to a toolbox of urban policies and policing strategies to address crime. Are you kidding me? Horrifying, horrifying. Now, we created a digital twin of urban environments. If you feed it data from what happened in, in the past, it'll tell you what's going to happen in the future. It's not magical. There are limitations. But we validated and it works really well, Dr. Chato said. Now, you can use this as a simulation tool to see what happens if crime goes up in one area of the city or if there's increased enforcement in another area. If you apply all these different variables, you can see how the system evolves in response. Oh, so it's learning AI. This is literally fucking Skynet, guys. Mm. And that's the end of the fucking hour of nonsense from Indy. Holy crap. How yeah, did we that's, miss all of that that's nonsense?
1: Like thing, Sorry, everybody. That's like the thing that Batman uses that he gives to Morgan Freeman's character because he can't have that much power. Oh, my God. You know?
0: Yeah, literally.
1: Like, the thing
0: like, to map the entire city. Yep. Pretty much. Yeah. Like, it doesn't already exist. Um, oof. Right. Again, nightmare fuel right there. That's how they're going to police us in the future is with this predictive pre-crime stuff. Like, you saw the majority report? Like, that not the not the show yeah. i'm sorry the the minority report the one with the 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 spielberg movie with tom cruise all right that yeah. is um freaking horrifying
1: yeah it it yeah it it, it gives the guy like it, it lets him see into the future to like see a crime happening right you know potentially like this weird robot thing pops out little memories um you Yipper ninety,
0: ninety nine nailed it. Is this Minority Report? Yep, it's this is pre crime, hundred yep. percent. Oh, and and Warren's of course advising us to wash our hineys and we we need to do that. Or actually, he said, wash your ass. Buy a wash your ass shirt over yes. at the Extra Bully Store. Um, they're hilarious. They have <laughs> it literally has a donkey inside a bathtub, which is awesome. Um, it's great. Oh, I gotta hide. Ree- or pull lula over you here we go mm. okay um in the 1980s applied for and got awarded a university bursity for engineering from the apartheid south african government owned defense contractor it paid all university fees and school should be free um of course apartheid is no good um scrotus yes that is a scrotus for sure uh the supreme regime court yes the extreme court is what i called it the u.s regime court it's a gonna bring them gators down to them billionaires
1: mm-hmm.
0: oh come on you mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. go saints um grill fingers yep, sure. how are you man thank you everybody so much for supporting <laughs> hanging out good to see everybody sorry for the nightmare uh thank you everyone for hanging out um this week, we have got a pretty busy week. I know Tara certainly does. Tomorrow, we are really taking off, I believe. The network really sure. is closing down and taking off, and we are taking off July 4th. However, on Tuesday, starting early in the afternoon at, 3 p- at 2 p.m. Eastern, that's 11 a.m. on the Pacific West Coast for those of you who get up early over there, um, Tara Reid is going to be talking with one Vanessa Bealy, live, I believe, from Syria. Uh so and then at 10 PM, her normal time on the every other Tuesday night alternating from Jesse. Um, the Reef will be engineering a stream with Tara and the Green Party candidate from Senate in or at least we're trying to get him on the ballot in North Carolina for Senate, Matthew Ho, who has made the rounds yeah. quite a bit lately. Um The Hoes be knowing. Oh, the hoes be knowing. And the Ho's gonna be it on be INN known. The, ho- the ho's going to be on inn uh, tomorrow on, on Tuesday night, uh, and and also as well of course on Tara Reed's channel. So please go support our sister Tara Reed, link tr.ee slash Tara Reed, and you can find all of her channels and ways to support her. You can hook her up at Substack. You can hook her up. I think she's got Cash App on there as well. Uh, but by all means, if you can throw a couple bucks, Oh, right. Uh, our friend Warren here is reminding us that Delilah Barrios. It's going to be on Extra Booyah Thursday at nine PM Eastern. Uh, this Wednesday, um, I know that Reef and Colin have booked some special friends to join us for InN News, and that would be Courtney and Keisha Banks um, to talk about Camp Camp Dada. Maybe I hope so. Yep. Yes, sir. Nice, nice. That would be the ones. And then uh, this past Friday, you had a new friend, Commander Keefe, come on to Extra, yep. uh, onto Reef After Dark.
1: Yep. She's a um G.I. Mary Jane. G. I Mary um, Jane, right. Joey. Uh, she's cool. Um, she's a weed activist and uh has done a bunch of stuff with normal and um lots of other things in that in that venue. Um but yeah, people should go check out that episode. It was great. Uh we're we're gonna get her on a full episode next time. But um she she had other Things to attend to, but um, but yeah, it was a great time. People should go check that out. It was a good show. Um, but yeah, Tara, uh, Tuesday, your little Tara double feature, right? She's got, um,
0: yeah, uh, Vanessa, uh, Vanessa, bealy. Vanessa
1: doesn't she? Yeah, Vanessa, bealy. yeah, just just Vanessa Bealey, no, no um, big deal, just Vanessa bealy Um, just Vanessa bealy so yeah, I'll be doing both those. I don't know um, if we're gonna have a chance.
0: I don't know if I'm gonna have a chance to get to a one-on-one this week. Starting a new job, so um, don't know if I'm gonna have any time available. But um, of course, we'll be back here next Sunday night, um, the 11th. I believe we have another person booked for Tara Wyatt. Reed is supposedly booked for that evening. We'll see if that holds. Um, and then uh, American Tradition, of course, is going to be the 12th, and that's going to be a release party for The Grift, which you now can get and download on Bandcamp in full. Go get The Grift. Go to jessejet.bandcamp.com. Uh, I know that he's going to be doing a little bit of a, an album preview tomorrow on AM Wake Up on the Rockfin, so go check out AM amwakeup.rockfin.com or uh, rockfin.com slash Up. That's Steve and Pasta. Uh, again, we're we're just excited for the release. The grift is awesome. Um, and really excited to hear all the other songs as well. It's, it's been, uh, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. Again, there's, if you haven't seen the INN one-on-ones between me and Rob, there were a lot of fun. We talked a lot about platforms and what's happening and how people trying to smear activists out there. Um, people going after the March for Medicare for all, which was a great stream. It was supposed to be two hours, turned out to be three. Um, and Jimmy Dore, Bank Sisters, Sabi Savs, Rob Durden, Elias—so many people killed—and they gave the great, great speeches and stories. And uh, I know they—they they raised some money towards uh, the towards the stage equipment. I—it wasn't the full ten thousand that they were going for. Uh, I'm gonna wait for them to make an announcement exactly how much that was. So, but we're really excited and we're grateful for every dollar that everybody donated, and um, and they still need more. So there's going to be actually a fundraiser stream Wednesday night at nine o'clock on the March for Medicare for all channel, as well as I believe Savage Joys channel and Jesse, again, will be premiering some of the grift songs as well as I saw some other people are going to be there performing as well. So that's really cool. March for Medicare for all support Medicare for all. We need people talking about national Medicare for all continuing to keep that alive. We can do it. It is doable. So, again, this is Indy signing off. Uh, I am going to use my my new sign-off phrase,
1: which is question everybody's motivations, everyone. And keep listening to what little birdies have to tell you. Good night, everybody.
0: If you like this podcast, please help our show grow by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. For more content, You can follow Independent Left News on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at indleftnews and subscribe to our YouTube channel. To get news updates twice a day to your inbox, subscribe via email on the independentleft.news website. Join our Jetstream 24-7 News and Opinion Discord at independentleft.gg with more than 50 channels, each dedicated to a different outlet, journalist, YouTuber, or political comedian. Thanks, everyone. Remember to check out independentleft.news in your browser and subscribe to our podcast for news updates.